0: Thank you. Thank you, guys. If you guys can, turn in your Bible to the book of Exodus. Book of Exodus will be in chapter 39, um, and we will be reading uh, through the scripture today. Just so you guys know, um, before we get into this particular scripture, um, I want to let you know we do have the ability uh, for you to go back and listen to previous teachings um, so if you want to, you can always go onto um, uh, to the website or you can also get you know, onto your podcast. If you have it on your phone, you can look up Calvary Chapel Sebastian and find it there. Um, I just want to let you know, uh, this is an amazing teaching because it's going to seem, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to sell it to you with a sugar coat and then we're going to get into it. It's going to be very repetitive. I'm just going to be upfront with you. It's going to be very repetitive, but it's important that you see the reason why the Bible is being repetitive. So You can go, hey, didn't we just cover this in chapter 25 and 28? And we're saying the same thing over and over. It's like a Dr. Seuss book. It's like the same thing said in a different way over and over. But the specifics of it is you're going to hear that the nation of Israel is hearing God, but they're not just hearing God, they're listening and they're doing it. And the reason why Moses put this in here, now Moses has an invested interest, right? Because he's, he's kind of like the chief CEO of Israel at this point. So it reflects either greatly or poorly on him how the, Israel, you know, the Jewish people did. No matter how many times he said to God, hey, these are your people, God would come back and go, no, these are your people. Uh, you know, the, the, Moses has this invested interest to say, hey, look, the Lord gave us this commandment and we did it to the T." So, what we're going to do together is we're going to unpack that by reading straight through the scripture, and then we're going to see how that applies to our life today. So, on the screen, you're going to see the picture of the garments. And um, if you want to, as we're reading through, look up to kind of make a reference of it, because it is a long run, but just bear with me. Uh, Exodus chapter 39, verse 1. They made specially woven garments for ministry in the sanctuary. And the holy garments for Aaron from the blue, purple, and scarlet yarn, just as the Lord had commanded Moses. Uh, Bezel, Be- Bezalel made the ephod of the gold of blue, purple, and scarlet yarn and of finely spun linen. They hammered out thin sheets of gold and he cut threads from them to interweave with the blue. That's kind of amazing in itself, right? Purple and scarlet yarn and the fine linen in skillful design. They made shoulder pieces for attaching to it, and it was joined together at its two edges. The artistically woven waistband that was on the ephod was of one piece with the ephod, according to the same workmanship of gold, blue, purple, and scarlet yarn, and a finely spun linen, just as the Lord had commanded Moses. Then they mounted the onyx stone, surrounded with gold filigree settings, engraved with the names of Israel's sons as gem cutter engraves a seal. He fastened them on the shoulder pieces of the ephod as a memorial stone for the Israelites, just as the Lord had commanded Moses. Look at Moses. He's like, and I did a good job. Didn't I? you hear him saying it? God told Moses, and Moses did it. He's giving himself an attaboy there. Look at that. Verse 8. He also made the embroidered breastpiece with the same workmanship as the ephod of gold, of blue, purple, and scarlet yarn, and of finely spun linen. And they made the breastpiece square, and folded double, nine inches long, and nine inches wide. They mounted four rows of gemstones on it. The first row was a row of arcanelian, topaz, and emerald. The second row was turquoise, sapphire, and a diamond. And a third row was jacinth, agate, and amethyst. And the fourth row, uh, burial, and onyx, and jasper. And they were surrounded with gold filigree in their settings. And then the 12 stones corresponded to the names of the Israel's sons. Each stone was engraved like a seal with one of the names of the tribes. And they, ma- they made braided chains of pure gold cord for the breastpiece. They also fashioned two gold filigree settings and two gold rings and attached the two rings to its corners. Then they attached the two gold co- cords to the gold rings on the corner of the breastpiece, and they attached the other ends of the two cords to the two filigree settings and in this way attached them to the ephod shoulderpiece in front." And they made the two other gold rings and put them at the two corners of the breastpiece on the edge that is next to the inner border of the ephod. They made two more gold rings and attached them to the bottom of the ephod's two shoulder pieces on its front, close to its seam, above the ephod's woven waistband. Then they tied the breastpiece from its ring to the rings rings of the ephod with a cord of blue yarn so that the breastpiece was just above the ephod's waistband and did not come loose from the ephod. They did this just as the Lord had commanded Moses. Once again, right? Verse 22. They made the woven robe of the ephod entirely of blue yarn, and there was an opening in the center of the robe like that of body armor with a collar around the opening so that it would not tear. They made pomegranates of finely spun blue, purple, and scarlet yarn on the lower lower hem of the robe. They made bells of pure gold and attached the bells between the pomegranates, all around the hem of the robe between the pomegranates as a bell and a pomegranate alternating all around the lower hem of the robe to be worn for the ministry. They made it just as the Lord had commanded Moses. Yes, Moses, we get it. Verse 27, they made the tunics of fine woven linen for Aaron and his sons. And they also made the turban and the ornate headbands of fine linen and the undergarments and the sash of finely spun linen of embroidered blue, purple, and scarlet yarn. They did this just as the Lord had commanded Moses. And then verse 30, they also made a medallion, the holy diadem, which diadem is is closer to a a crown, would be the name. It's a crown that a king would wear. But the holy diadem out of the pure gold and wrote on it the inscription, like an engraving on a seal, holy to the Lord. And then they attached a cord of blue yarn to it in order to mount it to the turban. And we know this part, just as the Lord had commanded Moses. So uh we're just going to do this as we just plow through that verse. Let's just pray one more time to prepare our hearts for what the Lord is going to do. Uh Lord, just like Moses is going to remind you of the commandments that he has fulfilled, we're going to remind you. You said for us to gather in your name and to worship you. Well, we have done that tonight just as you've commanded. You said for us to learn who you are from your word. That's what we're about to do just as you've commanded. So Lord, honor this time so that we can have a deeper revelation of your goodness and your love and your mercy. And please show us in your word what you want us to know so that we can grow and become more mature as holy priests, all of us in this room that are dedicated to you. In Jesus' name, amen. So just to kind of recap on everything that we've talked about with the priestly garments, this is going to be the next step in what Pastor Ryan laid out. He had that whole process of redemption and salvation that showed up in the process of where the priest would move from the front of the tent, you know, through the altar and through the wash basin to walk into the Holy of Holies. And uh, they described that aptly. And if you guys can remember, the Lord gave them the blueprint And then the last chapter, Pastor Ryan and everybody and and Pastor Craig were talking about, they they committed themselves to doing it. So the Lord gave them a specific instruction and they did that. And that's in keeping with this. So why did Moses say this? The Lord told us there was a specific prescription on how we are to approach the Lord. We cannot be casual. We cannot be casual. You would see this play out biblically throughout the Bible. You could not go into the Holy of Holies sick. You cannot go into the Holy of Holies dirty. You cannot go into the Holy of Holies even with a scrape on your arm because you have not taken God seriously. And this is not to say that God doesn't want you just to invade His face and He wants everything to be perfect. He wants to let you know He's perfect and you are not. But He still has a desire to be with you. And this is the discussion of what we're seeing. That discussion of the tabernacle and the priestly garments is that. I need to move you from a place of what you once were to something that I need you to be. I don't need you to be slaves of Egypt. I need you to be the children of God in Israel. I don't need you to be someone who's caught up in the world anymore I need you to put on righteous robes and come into the Holy of Holies. But that's a process that takes place. And so we can see that that's the, the, the idea of what the Lord's doing. We often say in a funeral that heaven is a prepared place for a prepared people. Well, what is heaven other than being in the presence of God? And so God is describing to us right now in this place through this scripture, I want to prepare you to walk into the Holy of Holies. And that sanctification process is on display here. And just want to give you kind of a recap. We won't touch on everything that we've already discussed in the, uh, the priesthood garments, but I want to point out one more time the redemption colors here. Gold would be a, an idea of purification. There'd be an idea of purification and royalty there, right? Blue would also go hand in hand with the chastisement and correction. And I want to let you know why. After a storm, what do you see? A bright blue sky. So you've actually been moved through the turmoil of your life into clear skies, right? How about purple, costliness? When anybody in this time, in this place, would see the color purple, what they would see is how much it actually costs. This would be fine. This would be a fine color to do. It would be like, if you watch, and I only know this because my wife is a a fashionista. Up until I married Jackie, I didn't know what an LV meant on on a purse. But if you see somebody with a Louis Vuitton, you're not, you're not treating that thing like, you know, you're not dragging it through the mud. You're not scraping it on the ground. That's a Louis Vuitton. That's an expensive purse. Well, it took about 8,500 mollusks to get enough color out of the vein inside of them to get the purple to make one thread. So when you, when I'm talking when they would make a spool of thread, that would take a long time first to collect 8,500 mollusks, right? Then to open them up, then to carefully remove the one purple vein, and then to, to make sure that you could pull out the color, Right? And so people would see that that's what that would look like. And then it also would come down to scarlet, and scarlet would be the color of cleansing. And scarlet, think about this, the scarlet blood of the sacrifice, right? And you can see that all woven through the entire outfit. That held everything together. And I want to just put this in the idea of when you're talking about your high priest, Jesus Christ, I want you to hear these words. Is Jesus Christ our purification? Is he our chastisement and our correction? Was it costly for him to do that? And then on the other side, do we walk out cleansed? And these are the ideas that the Lord is showing us. Not anybody can just approach the Lord at any time. They have to be prepared. Now, in discussing this this idea of being prepared, we're going to be talking a lot about clothes tonight because this is the the time of talking about clothes. And I want to let you know, I have never... Um, dismayed or disappointed by my fellow Floridians because as soon as uh, the hurricane was over and we had that little dip in the temperature. anybody go out when it was like it was a little bit crispy one night? And I just remember going outside with the boys and we went like this. We're like, "Ooh, this is really, really good. And the next morning we went to go get uh, coffee and donuts with mom and there was somebody already dressed improperly. Now, this isn't an accurate representation. Uh, These are two celebrities. But I saw somebody at Dunkin' Donuts. Um, They had woolly boots on, flannel jacket, a huge scarf. And all I could think of was this picture. I was like, it's 70 degrees. And then I was like, what are you doing? But that's what happens, right? As As soon as we get a little bit of temperature, we go, let's go into the closet and start pulling out everything awesome in our closet that we couldn't wear in the summer, right? And so, but you're looking at them and, you know, they they feel like they look good, but everybody else is in shorts and sneakers. And you're like, you look a little out of place. You're not prepared for the situation, which you know what happens. So we're there early in the morning. As soon as that sun gets up, what's happening? All that's coming off, right? And so we're talking about that tonight is what is the temperature of our souls and what is the preparation of the clothing that we should be uh, wearing that's properly? Well, I'm just going to point to the New Testament. Romans chapter 3, verse 20 would say this. Therefore, no one will be declared righteous. How many people? Nobody, right? No one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. Rather, through the law, we became conscience of our sin. So that's the whole point of the Old Testament. That's the whole point of the priest. I could not run up to the Holy of Holies and barge my way in. I would die. I would have to bring my sacrifice to the priest. He would sacrifice the lamb or the whatever I brought to that day, right? And then he would go into the Holy of Holies because he was prepared, I was not. But yet in this time, and if you can understand the beauty of what we're going through the book of Exodus and on Wednesday and then on the weekends, we're going to the book of John, you can see the connection and the beauty of the disciples are living what God was planning out. I don't want to remain in this situation, but before I can move you forward in the Holy of Holies, I have to send you a lamb. There has to be a high priest that goes between you and I, and there has to be a sacrifice, but doing a, a continual atonement, that's not going to work forever. There has to be one lamb to pay one penance, one time. Isn't it amazing who he sent? And then the next slide we'll put up there, Hebrews chapter one, verse three. This has been the plan The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. And after he had provided purification for sins, think about the high priest, right? After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. And so what does it look like for us to be a prepared people? Well, we're being called out of a life that is not glorious, that a life that is unholy, and we are being called to the holy, right? And that's what the Lord is saying. Are you listening? Do you hear my call? What you are called out of will no longer be sustainable. Just think about this. How much of your life is not going to go to heaven? And when I say that, think about everything, the TV shows that you watch, the music that you listen to, the friends that you have, maybe the conversations that you do. Maybe there's parts of your life that you know for a fact that right now are not on the level of heaven, right? And it's not because they aren't, you know, like you don't care about these people or, you know, there's the things that you just enjoy, but you know for a fact there's things that are worthy of God and there are things that are not worthy of God. And the Lord is saying, I want you to be conscious of that when I'm calling you out of it. What I'm calling you out of is not a like, I'm not a killjoy and I'm calling you out of a, a like into a, out of a fun life into a boring life. I'm calling you out of an unholy life that is temporary and is bound for hell and is bound for death. I'm calling you into the eternal. And so for you to be prepared for the eternal, I've got to walk you through this process of sanctification so that you could be Eternal. Just think about those words, eternal. And in this time, you can see why when Moses starts to grab those concepts, remember, after the golden calf, remember? Mount Sinai, God gives his instruction. Israel goes, okay, let's build a golden calf. If we were all there, we'd be like, what in the world are you doing? They blow it. Moses intercedes with God because God goes, I can't deal with these people. I've got to get rid of them. If I spend any more time in their unholiness, I will kill them. And God and Moses have a conversation, and he said, "But I'm going to remind you of your promise, Lord. You said you would go with us to the Promised Land." I said, "Lord, please go with us." And the Lord said, "Of course I will, because my heart is for my people." And then that is why Moses stands in this particular chapter, and it might seem redundant. And he said, "Lord, just because the golden calf happened a couple weeks ago, today." It doesn't matter what my failure looked like a couple of weeks ago. It doesn't matter what my sin looked like yesterday. Today, I will do everything you ask me because I don't want to miss out on the Holy of Holies. So let me let you know, I did everything you asked me to do. Imagine what our prayer life would be if we just went down the list of everything that God asked us to do and we did. You start might be seeing two things, either the places that you're doing really good and maybe the places you're not doing really good. And you go, well, you know what? I'm not doing good this part of the list. Better move it to the to-do list. And that's what you see Moses is doing. So... As we're seeing this, the very presence of the Lord would come and meet the people. That's what the result was going to be. And I want you to always wonder this when you read these kind of scriptures do we see God's plan bringing about a wonder in our life for a calling? Think about this do I have an appetite? Do I have an appetite for the things of God? Am I being prepared properly? Am I hearing the word of the Lord, and am I following through? And I want to let you know, just think about this. What would your life be like if you never had those golden calf moments? What would your life be like if you didn't hesitate on the word of the Lord when he said, go and do this, and you didn't hesitate? And that's what fulfillment looks like. God is coming to actually, you can find out later in this chapter and into the next chapter when Pastor Ryan teaches next week, that God is going to come in and inspect. Moses is going to inspect, and then he's going to meet with his people. So, what does that look like in our life today? Well, we meet God in all kinds of places in the Holy of Holies, don't we? Just think about this do we meet Jesus in forgiveness? And first, in fact, that's the first place that we meet Jesus, right? Do we meet Jesus in prayer? 100% yes. Do we meet God in the Word? We're meeting Him right now. And how about this dedicating our walk and our talk with the Lord through all the mountaintops and the valleys of our life? It can't just be the good times. It also can't just be the bad times either, right? Oh, Lord, I'm here today. You know why? I know we haven't talked in a while. It can't be that conversation because God is not that person. God is holy all the time, and we always need him. In fact, if you look at the kings of old Israel, they needed him mostly when they're at the happiest and the highest, right? Because that's when they fell the most, right? When they were surrounded by wealth and surrounded by temptation, they needed God even more, and we're no different. So all the meetings that we are having in our life are these meetings where we are being prepared to go into the Holy of Holies. Who are, who are we to take it casually? These are life-changing events. When we walk in and God gives us a vision and a word for our life that could be our very salvation Or maybe the new direction. Just think about this. Moses had a meeting with God at the burning bush and the nation of Israel changed. Now you might not be in control of the United States of America but you are in in a family that might need a new direction. You might have a friendship that needs a new direction. You might have a marriage that needs a new direction and what you need to meet God in these holy of holy moments not to be taken casually. So what does this proper preparation look like? It looks like this. This is our first point. To meet with a righteous God, I must be dressed in his righteousness. That's what we're saying today. My own works, my power, my cleverness is not good enough. For me to walk into the Holy of Holies, I need to be made holy or righteous on the level of God. And that should immediately give you pause, right? A perfect God needs a perfect audience. And I always think about this all the time. If we were to hear today... Like, say, an usher or Pastor Craig came up to you after service and goes, hey, can I talk to you for a second? Pulled you to the side. And was like, yeah, actually, God's going to be here tomorrow. Could you meet us here at 9 a.m.? Yeah. Yeah, don't don't dress like that. Come here at 9 a.m. God's going to be here. Will you meet us? Will you sit in the office? How many things would you change tonight? A lot. A lot. And that's what we're talking about. There is a place that God desires not to be. Don't get it wrong. God wants to be with you. It's not like he's this high and mighty and toity like king that is like, oh, the peasants are here. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, I want to be with you, but I can't be with you because in your current state, you will die. You will die. Moses said, let me see your face, Lord. And God said, no, I can't. The best that I can do is I can let you see the trail end of my essence when I leave. And when you see that, you'll light up like a light bulb, and the rest of the nation of Israel will be scared. And that's just the very end of the, of the wisp of the end of my robe. And yet, you want to see my face? No can do. But does God still desire to see us face to face? Yes, And that is the heart of a God that is pursuing this relationship. And you can't say that God is unconcerned because he's doing everything he can to make sure that you have access to him in spite of yourself. That's the most amazing thing. A perfect God wants to have a perfect audience. We're an unperfect people. So guess what? He comes up with a perfect plan. Galatians chapter 3, verse 27. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ just think about that. That's where the humility comes in. There's a dichotomy into everything that, I, that we see with the Lord. When I approach my prayer time with the Lord, I'm always blown away with this two different sides of, of the same penny, right? On one side, I have this great humility. I shouldn't be in the presence of God. I'm a liar. I'm a thief, in my heart, I constantly struggle with all kinds of sins and temptation, right? So in humility, I just bow my head and go, Lord, I, sh- I shouldn't even have an audience with you. But with boldness, I stand up and declare, God, I know you love me because you wouldn't have loved me if you didn't give me these righteous robes I'm standing in. The only reason I'm sitting here draped in these robes is because you love me. And so guess what? I'm going to engage in this relationship. There's no time to hesitate or dilly-dally when you know the person is there for you. And he took on your shameful rags of sin and death and put it on Jesus Christ on the cross, and that was nailed and crucified. And then what did he do? Jesus took on his righteous robes and gave them to you and said, now go into that meeting. Go and meet with God. Go be with him. And that brings a great boldness out of me to say, Lord, I'm only here because you want me here. Isaiah 61.10 would say this, I delight greatly in the Lord, my soul rejoices in my God. This is that boldness I'm talking about. For he has clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed in me a robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom adorns his head like a priest, and as a bride adorns herself with jewels. I'm always reminded because my boys go into our our bookshelves at home and they always pull out our pictures from our wedding. We have like one of those those books that you could make into looks like a picture book. And, you know, my boys like to open up the picture, and I'm always struck. I'm, like, looking at Jackie, my wife, and she's in the full white, right? And she's makeup, and, and uh, you know, everyone's, like, you know, there's pictures of everybody working around her, and she's being prepared for the wedding, right? Because she's being prepared for what? A new life, a life that's set apart, And I'm more than happy to receive my beautiful wife in this new setting, right? Because this is what it is. I put on the tuxedo, right? I'm there. I'm putting on new clothes. Everything is new. There is an old life that is going away. And guess what's happening when the two become one? It's a whole new direction. There's a lot of things that are gone now. And that's what the Lord is saying. I'm excited to share what I have with you and put on what I can give you. Everything I have is now yours. And I'm calling you into this relationship. And it's like, you know, when we, you know, we get to, you know, first year of marriage, it isn't like that's my apple juice and her apple juice. No, we're sharing everything together. And then in this moment, in this time, that's what the Lord is doing. But you need to be prepared for that. There's old you, there's old world that needs to go. And I will remind you of this, and I've said this before. I remember one of the first times I ever got to, uh, I was like uh, dating Jackie, and I, and I was like, hey, uh, let's go get coffee after work. You know, like, this is so great. I'm like loving this girl. I go, I'm going to go buy you a coffee. One of those fancy ones with pumpkin in it. I know it's September, it doesn't matter. Uh, but we're, I'm going to do it for you because I love you. And uh, she just, I remember her looking at me. She's like, you're going to wear that? When you go out with me? And I was like, a bachelor, I was like, yeah, what's wrong with this ensemble? It wasn't this ensemble. I said, well, uh, yeah, it's great. Put it together for five bucks at Goodwill. What's the big deal? She's like, hold up. We're going to go to your house. We're going to pick out some clothes, and then we'll go out on the town. Why? Because when I go out with her, I got to look the part. I got to look the part. And so I always think about that moment in in this scripture is to think about, I am now a different guy. I'm no longer Bachelor Joey. I'm now Boyfriend Joey. And then I'm Fiance Joey. And then I became husband Joey. And there was a lot of clothes that got ripped out of the closet. And you know why? They are no longer worthy. Why? Because my sense of fashion has now been elevated, ergo, by the marriage. Doesn't matter if I believe it. It matters if she believes it. And this is God. God's going, as you enter into the new relationship, you're wearing a couple of things. And I see some guys that are shaking their heads tonight. We might share the same path. But I just want to let you know, that's what the Lord's doing. I am sanctifying you. I'll put this this word up here just to remind you what sanctification means. The very definition of sanctification actually breaks down to this, to be set apart for a sacred service. For a sacred service. You know, when you're getting a, a new outfit, it's, it's for this moment. When Jackie got a, a wedding dress, it's for a sacred service. When I got a tuxedo for the wedding, it's for a sacred service. And it's also the word sanctification comes from a word that it expressly means to be made Holy. God is making you holy, but there's one amazing thing. He doesn't just put the new clothes on you and ignore the current problems, the current condition. He doesn't ignore the current appetites. He puts you in that, and he goes, I know it's a process, and I'm here for the long haul, for better or for worse. I'm here for the long haul. The process is unique because... um, or I'm sorry, it's not unique because Hebrew peace did this in the Middle East. But when you look at everything that comes from everything that we do with clothes from a bride, maybe even for like a ball, if you go out dancing, right? You know, you wear specific clothes. I remember one time I wore the wrong thing to a country line dancing thing. And I, I was the only person there in, in neon sneakers and board shorts. And I forgot, you have to have a giant belt buckle, right? And you have to have big boots, I did not look cool that day. When we get to heaven, how do you want to look? Like you fit in or you don't? And that's what the Lord is saying. There's a, there's a problem here that you have to be presented for the service of the Lord, and do we look like that? We cannot always see it because we don't always look in the mirror and see what God sees. Spiritually, sometimes we don't see what God sees. 1 Corinthians would touch on this. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 would say, For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror that's specifically talking about the word as well. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part. Then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. So what God is saying is if you looked in the mirror spiritually, you'd be like, oh my goodness. Have you ever had that moment? I have this moment all the time. I, I, I used to not dread it, but now I do, especially when you're a public speaker. Salad. It's the enemy of public speaking. Why? There's always one lettuce leaf that likes to wrap itself around a tooth right when you have to have a deep conversation. And, you're ma- and you know you're saying something good to the person, but their eyes keep going down to the salad. And you're like, there's something going on down there. they're like, yeah, I missed everything you said. <laughs> You've got a garden in your tooth, and you need to go take care of it, right? And that's what the Lord is saying. You have this moment where you're, like, you're trying to do the things of the Lord, but you're totally a distraction to the world because you're not presenting everything that the Lord wants you to present because there's still old you there. And I need to remove that old you so that you could be a proper representation. Jackie was like, if you're going to be my guy, you've got to dress the part, right? And that's what the Lord's saying. If you're going to be mine, if you're going to be a royal priest made for heaven for Jesus, you have to be prepared. 1 Corinthians is saying it's really going to hit you even harder the moment that you see Jesus face to face. Like, we have deep revelations that we go through daily. Have you ever just gone to the place? I remember, so just a long story short about this, I went to film school, so I was in love with film. I had a case of DVDs that I would just love to watch the behind the scenes. And then I, uh, obviously, once again, there's is, this is a lot of this sermon is about Jackie. Um, we got married, and she was in there, and she goes, there's a lot of movies that I don't even want in my house. Now, this is not yesterday, guys, so don't worry about your pastor. But this is a long time ago. And I was like, but I love these movies. And she's like, you know what? And I'm going to be real with this. She goes, these are horror movies. I don't, they're scary. And I'm like, but as a filmmaker, I'm like, yeah, but I like the behind the scenes, the stop, the action, the cut, the edit, you know, the fake effects and all that. And she goes, yeah, but you don't understand. That's not who you are anymore. That's not who you are. Not that you're not a filmmaker. Not that you're interested in those things. You're not a person that lowers your standards to the level of this kind of entertainment. And I said, how do you know? And she goes, well, you're, you're moving further in ministry. And I said, praise the Lord for a lady that would say that. And we went, to this, we went through the DVDs and we removed them one by one. I'm wondering how many movies I'm going to be ashamed of when I see Jesus face to face. That's just my wife. How is it going to be different when I see him? And the theology that I'm building here on the earth with the Lord, how much it's going to be like, Lord, I didn't love you near as much as I should have. And you loved me way more than I realized. And that's what the Lord is saying, or that's what Paul is saying. When you get to this moment, there's a righteousness that you'll be prepared for. Uh, here's the final word on that, uh, on, that, on that righteousness. Look at Revelations 19 on the screen. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory. For the wedding of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given to her to wear. Now, it's really important that you understand that word given, that the bride received. She didn't make it. She didn't earn it. It was given to her for what purpose? For her service in the work of the Lord. The bride is being prepared for the groom, and she will look the part, and she will act the part. Why? Because she is going to feel the part as soon as she puts on the clothes. You ever like have that moment when you put on a nice pair of clothes, and you go over somebody's house to eat, and they're like, we're eating spaghetti, and you're like, oh my gosh, do you have a towel that I can wrap around this? Because I know me and spaghetti aren't going to do so good, and I just paid a lot of money for this shirt. And you already see the damage. Like, you can already say, like, it's, I might as well just dye this shirt red. That's what I should do. And that's what the Lord is saying. You are going to be prepared and wear this, and you're not going to want to drag this through the mud. Let me give you the other transition. You're not going to want to drag these fine linen whites that the Lord gave you, and you're not going to want to drag them through the sin. This is obviously the Lord talking about his church and there's also obviously a, a preparation process that the bride goes through you know, for the wedding. But just think about this, there's also an elevating process. There's an elevating process that is happening in this moment. We are gonna be stepped up for a special, not just moment, but a special lifestyle. And I just wanna ask you this, if you had to pick what you were gonna to wear to meet Jesus for the first time in heaven, what would you pick to wear? And that's a deep thought. Would I elect to wear what I'm wearing right now? Would I elect to wear, and I mean even spiritually, would I elect to wear the things that would be worthy of him? First John chapter 3, verse 2 would say this, Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what will be has not yet been made known. But we, but we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is you can see that there's a goal that's clearly marked out for us. We are made for a relationship with the Lord, specifically for his glory. And if you think about this, if you could stop and think about one thought, in your mind's eye, in your imagination, what you know from scripture, what will Jesus look like the first time you see him in heaven? I mean, just describe him. And then go back to this verse. And as you look at this verse, think about this. I will be like him that elevates everything that you are now up to the level of him, does it not? And immediately prioritizes what's worthy of him and what's not. There are things in my life right now that are not on the level that I could say that I could take these with me and I will be like him still doing this. I will look like him and talk like him still talking like this. See how everything changes? It doesn't really, we don't really have to address every single sin. All I know is that this is what the goal is and I'm somewhere over here and I gotta get moved from here to here. But what happens in that process, God is giving me his righteousness to move up there. I can't even do it in my own. So I have to rely on the Lord to prepare me for this moment. And that's what we're doing here today. We're not just learning about the Lord. We're preparing to see our groom on the day of our wedding in the future where we leave this world behind and everything is new. The old is gone. You know, as the Bible says, uh, a husband and a wife should leave and cleave, right? Leave and cleave together. They should come together and become one. That's not That old life that they used to live is not the same. It is now the two of them and they are making what? A new life, a new family. Not only that, they're making new traditions, new memories. What new memories are we going to make with the Lord? What new life are we going to live with the Lord? It's amazing to think of how small and insignificant this, this particular life becomes in the light of eternity, doesn't it? And then now all of a sudden you go, what? This, even though we're doing good things and great things and we're bearing fruit for the Lord here, one day I'm not going to just bear fruit. I'm going to stand and walk and talk with Jesus Christ forever. And I start now living for that life. Right now, I start living for that future Genesis, it would be, mark out the same goal. Just so you guys know, this has been the same goal all through old, the Old Testament, New Testament. When you think about the book of Genesis, God created the Garden of Eden. And what did God do in the Garden of Eden? He walked and talked with his people. And then what happened after they sinned? We have the book of Exodus all the way through to the, almost to the end of the Old Testament. And what do we have? The tabernacle and the temple. What is God trying to do? To be in the center of the lives of his people. And then what did we get in the first four gospels? Jesus Christ, who came to be in the center of his people. And then when we have the book of Acts, the Holy Spirit being poured out so that God's spirit could be in the center of his people's lives. And then what do we have in the book of Revelation? It's only us and Jesus, amen. And that's the very thing that we're pursuing right now in this very night. And so I just wanna remind you, as we put up this point, this is what God's doing in our hearts. Our hearts have become the tabernacle of the high priest. And when we unite with God in faith and obedience, that's what's happening. You are putting on the righteous robes of God and you are believing that you are being prepared for that moment and you have been made ready for that moment, even though that process is ongoing. You are connecting, the connecting point to you and that righteous, holy God that would normally, if you were in his presence, you would die. The place you're connecting with him is faith and obedience in what? Christ Jesus. You have been set apart you are being prepared. Daily, you've been made like him. And we are continually being matured like him. Why? So that we could be in heaven forever with him. That's the preparation moment right now. Just think about it. That's the complete revelation. That's the complete revelation of the Bible. That's the whole entire Bible. God wants to be with you. You can't be with him unless you've been made holy. He will go to great lengths, will he not, to make you Holy. He won't even stop at your failure. He won't even stop at your sin. What he'll do is he'll crash through it, raise you up in forgiveness, in mercy, to make you what? Like him. I can think of no greater honor. I can think of no greater honor. I'm going to ask that you guys turn to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10, we're going to turn to that, and I'm also going to ask that we put a slide up on the screen. And as you can see this slide, I want you to be reminded of everything that we've learned through the tabernacle as far as the, you know, the giving of the instructions on how to make it. And then we're going to talk about what, you know, Jesus is exemplifying through this. But remember this process. There's the front of the tent. There's the altar of sacrifice. There's the wash basin right there. And then there's the Holy of Holies. And I want you to hear where Jesus' part takes place in this. So Hebrews chapter 10, Hebrews chapter 10 Verse 19 through 25. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have, what's the word there? Confidence. 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 To enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus. Look at that altar. To enter into the holy place by that blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, open for us through the curtain that his body, remember the veil tore on the night that he died, That his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with sincere heart and full assurance. The faith that brings having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse, remember the wash basin? To cleanse us from the guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Do you see the direction? Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up the meeting together. Remember what we opened with? Lord Moses did as the Lord commanded. And Calvary Chapel of Sebastian did as the Lord commanded. Uh, uh, So not giving up the meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. So as you look at this picture on the screen, can you not see Jesus Christ? First, you get an invitation to enter in, and in that invitation, you find out that your sins need to be atoned for, and what's the first thing you meet? Jesus on the cross, and his blood wipes away all your sins, and there it is. You have the atonement. Then where do you move? Well, I'm a newbie Christian. I'm a newbie Christian, and I really love Jesus Christ, but I got some of these old habits. Let me wash you of those old habits, and then as I wash you of those new habits, let me dress you in robes of righteousness that I have. Now enter into the Holy of Holies. And come in here, not afraid. Don't just come in here going, if I see the face of God, I'm going to die. Come into this room knowing this, that the only reason that I can stand in the room with the Lord and speak is because Jesus loved me so much, he left heaven and made all of this possible. The plan has always been the same. The Old Testament isn't different than the New Testament. The Old Testament is the launch pad for the New Testament, for Jesus Christ to prove to us he is who he says he is. Our sin has always been a serious problem. Would you all agree that death is a problem? Especially if you think about this, what if you were meant to be immortal and then death showed up? Would death be a problem? And was the Lord up to handling that task? Absolutely. Just think about this. Our failure became his victory on the cross. As he goes to the cross, it's our sin that's being nailed there. And so we should have no reason to hesitate or excuse and go, well, I'm not a great Christian or God can't use me. No, no. That belittles the work of the Lord on the cross because the Lord goes, the very reason I'm here, the very reason that we're sacrificing, the very reason blood is being spilt is because of you. And the very reason that I am continuing on this path is because I love you. I want to be with you. And this is the sign of a maturing Christian when we receive this process rather than fighting this process. When we receive this process, even when God is chastising us, we know it's for a good reason. We know that the world is getting taken out. The shame, the guilt is being removed. And what is it being replaced with? The goodness of God. We're going to put this slide up, and I want you to see this is how you are in this process, and this is what we just read in Hebrews. Every day, you are entering into prayer by Jesus Christ. Every day, you are doing this, just like the priests were doing it in the tabernacle. Every day you're being prepared by being forgiven. How are you being forgiven? By the blood of Jesus Christ. By the blood of Jesus Christ, you are walking past that altar. And then you are washed in God's purity. Standing at the basin... The old you is gone. The new you is here. That's what we have done when we do baptism, right? We're being baptized in the name of Jesus. And what do we say? I'm going to follow the Lord all the days of my life. The old me is gone. The new me is here. I'm now washed in purity. And now what do I do? As I'm standing at the the doorway of the Holy of Holies, I profess a hope in him. And what does that profession look like? Remember when Jesus died on the cross and the veil was torn? The access is different. It's new. It's new. I only have hope to enter into the Holy of Holies that has been ripped wide open by what? His death, burial, and resurrection. And now I encourage everybody in here, just like you encourage me, that we are to be on point and on task for a good God. Do not let the devil lie to you. Everything that the Lord is doing for you is useful. Why? If it's preparing you for heaven and eternity, and that first time you see him, then it's all good. All of it's good. Everything is useful if it gets you back on track. And then the last part, and this is the last thing he said in Hebrews there make ready for the day that is approaching. One day the groom will show up and he will call the bride. One day the Lord will show up and go, It is time. I want to ask you this question. As we talk about priestly garments and we talk about what the Lord has been preparing us for, how do you want the Lord to find you? How do you want the Lord to see you serving or working? What kind of robes do you want to have the Lord catch you in when you're being prepared for the wedding? I know this can be a very, like, difficult subject, too, because sometimes we can't always see it, but by faith we can believe it, and I'm going to let you know this. Um, I, I've been having this conversation a lot with people this week. I've had a lot of counseling sessions, and I've had a lot of time where I've been sitting with people and kind of just opening up uh, through their lives and what they're struggling with. And one thing they say, "I, I believe it. I just can't see it in my life. And I just want to say this to you today. If that's you in this room, the word of the Lord just described what he has for you, not what you have for him. What we bring is disobedience. What we bring is sin. What he brings is everything else. Amazing and awesome. And sometimes we can see it. I think of it like this. It's like, you know, sometimes when you flip on a light really, really fast, when someone's sleeping, and then they get up like, what? What's going on? And you know how you could see, like, maybe your eyes are adjusting to that brightness, and you see these, like, objects moving in the room before you can adjust, and if you're older, and you have glasses like me, it might take you a lot longer, right? You know, you're like, I really hope that's Jackie or there's boys, because these look like blobs coming right at me, and I'm just ready to fight. But the truth of it is, is as the details become sharper and sharper, you realize it's the person that you need, it's the person that you love, and they've come to tell you something great. If that's you in the room right now, just understand that your spiritual eyes are adjusting. The light has been flipped on. You know that God is good. God loves you, and He's here for you. He's not against you. He's not overseeing you and trying to punish you. He's preparing you, pulling you forward by grace into a new life that will be eternal forever. You go, like, I'm not even dressed, I'm not ready. I'll provide that. Well, I don't have forgiveness, I don't have salvation, I'll provide that. I don't know if I can see properly, I'll give you spiritual eyes. I will awaken you. I will take care of you. Just move forward in grace. We're going to close on this verse. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 15 through 18. This has kind of been like, I, th- I always pick a verse for a year. This has been kind of like my life verse for, for two years. And I really, really love it. But it applies specifically today. So as you're understanding your life with the Lord, Paul's going to lay it out for you right here. Yes, to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Amen? All, what do you got to do? Turn to the Lord. That's it. You don't have to be a Bible scholar. You don't have to be a professor. You just got to turn to the Lord. Verse 17, verse 17. Now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. What kind of freedom? The freedom to move into the Holy of Holies. Verse 18, and we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the what image the same image from one degree of glory to another from this comes from the Lord who is the spirit we said in the beginning of this service that at a lot of times in funerals we say heaven is a prepared place for prepared people this is what the lord is saying don't look around and look at somebody else who maybe sp- has spent more time with the lord Maybe he's a little bit further along and go, well, I'm not, I don't look like them. That's why he says in verse 18 right here, he says, from one degree of glory to the another. There's things that I dealt with. Remember initially when I got married to Jackie, there's things that I was like, well, I want to hold on to these DVDs. I want to hold on to these movies. And now I'm disgusted that I used to own those movies. Why? Because God was moving me from one degree of glory to another. And more and more, God's righteous robes came on to me. I had more of an appetite for the eternal and his righteous robes, and I had less and less of an appetite for this world. And the reason is, is because I'm getting closer and closer to a God that I'm falling more and more in love with. I'm going, you know what? God's going to be here today. I got to get ready. It's not casual anymore. It's not, you know what? I haven't talked to God all day. I better get it. Let me get in the Word. Let me get down on my knees and start praying. Why? Because it's, he's important. He's, he's phenomenal. He's amazing. He's beautiful. Why? Because he has a plan and a purpose for my life, and he's expressed so much love to me. All I want to do is dive into that love. And now, nothing in this world can eclipse it. He's eclipsing everything. And so I go, this as I got excited in the future, you know, as Jackie changed my wardrobe, Jackie's coming over. I got to change. No more cargo shorts. She doesn't like those. Got to put, put on something with a button and a collar. No shirts with no holes. She doesn't like that. Why? Because I love Jackie, so I love the things that she loves, so I started dressing differently. Same thing with the Lord. The Lord's going to be here today. i got to prepare. So well, we're going to take this time, and we're going to pray, and we're going to pray for preparation. Um, let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Lord, we're praying this prayer right now. Lord, thank you for accepting us. Thank you for calling us. Thank you for choosing us right where we're at. And even though that we're not worthy, you're still moving us forward. Thank you for not leaving us the way that you found us. Thank you for elevating us. Lord, I can't even think of a greater honor of you saying, I want to make you just like me. You're the highest thing in all the world. You are the creator of heaven and earth. You are the love that we have on the cross. You are the hope that we have as you left the tomb. And every bit of your power and your presence and your grace and your mercy as you move is being poured out onto us right now. We are rich in the presence of God. We are rich in the grace. In fact, Ephesians, you say it like this. we We are filled with luxury of your grace. And so Lord, I just pray right now, if anybody here right now feels far away from God because they are not feeling worthy, Lord, let remove that from them now. You are their worthiness. You are their glory. You are the radiance that is they need to get into the access of heaven. Lord, I pray right now that anybody here that hears the sound of my voice, they know that God is for them and not against them, that he is pulling off his righteous robe and draping it on them and so that they could look in the mirror and see not only were they not worthy, but they are totally loved and totally chosen and being moved forward with a God that has not given up on them. Who are we to devalue the people that God chooses? Not me. I look into that mirror and I say, Lord, if if you choose me, then so be it. I receive the good gifts that you have. Prepare us. Prepare us now. Prepare us by faith. Prepare us by obedience to be your people forever. And Lord, we can't wait to see you on that beautiful day when we step into the, the, on the shores of heaven, through the gates, on the golden streets, and see the one person that has the fullest expectation of us being there, you, Jesus, who wrote our names in the Lamb's Book of Life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <laughs>